Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast, featuring leadership and team building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. All right, so this is pretty cool. We're here with Brian Lau. And, uh, you know, this is really, really awesome. Brian is the is the creator would that be the right term that I'm using? Creator, ultimately uh, producer, I, author. I'm the uh, yes. I'm well. I I do several things on the book, but you know, creator. I'm the ultimate creator. Yeah, of it. Well, God is the ultimate creator, but <laughs> but I'll take credit for creating these pieces of art. Um, I work with a lot of amazing talent, but I do some of the art, not much. I'll like I colored the cover of the sci-fi book you're holding there, Staunch Ambition, and it was drawn by one of my main artists and friends, uh, uh, Earl and Rosa. And I do the I do the layouts, I write it, I do the lettering, and then I oversee the art. And I, you know, so I put it all together with a with a good team, though. And then, of course, we have Inferno uh, City Firehouse, which is about uh, true stories from Detroit firefighters. Graphic novel, um, pretty awesome stuff. I wanted to actually read this for a while. I'm glad I finally got my hands on it. And when I say graphic novel, it is graphic. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, I would imagine we could say uh, it's not a children's book, but it is something that firefighters can benefit from. And um, and first of all, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. Uh, yeah, to Flash I'm, I'm honored and happy to be here, man. I've been uh, listening and, and following your work uh, since I've been introduced to you for a while. So, well, I appreciate that, my friend. And you and I have had a, a couple of conversations uh, over the phone right now. Uh, let me just introduce if, if somebody's just for the first time coming on to this podcast to listen, um, I want them to know here, here's the premise behind what we're doing here. Uh, I'm just bringing on people first and foremost, that I really want to talk with about uh, what they're doing with their life, uh, their creative process, their, um, you know, a, a lot of them are extremely high achievers in different areas. I don't care what you achieve success in. Um, but I mean, you're, you're, you're published in in this industry that uh, there's so many people that will listen to this that want to be published in. And maybe they want to be authors. Maybe they want to be graphic illustrators, artists, um, you know, you name it. Um, I just want to provide value for people. So um, I want to start with just asking you if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, where do you live? Um, you know, what, uh, what your childhood was like briefly. And then we're going to get into this sure. book. Yeah, I'm a Michigan guy. So born and raised Detroit, Michigan. So grew up in uh, East Detroit. And as far as uh, what's relevant to here, um, I, uh, as far as being an artist, I've always like you were talking to Paul Combs. I really enjoyed that interview, of course, because Paul Combs is, I, I would have to say he's got to be the best uh, artist that's ever done anything firefighter, like anyone, anything firefighter out there is he's at the top, at least I'm sure there's other ones, but He's fantastic. Really like he really him, is. I always wanted to draw. I was always just, I just told my daughter, who's a senior this year, my youngest, <laughs> and you still got the young, you got kind of the young ones still, but um, my, my youngest is a senior in high school and she is like, not sure exactly what to do. I remember in my senior year in high school, I thought of art as just a hobby. And so I thought I was going to be a cook, you know, buy a restaurant, you know, eventually just be a cook and eventually buy my own restaurant was my game plan. And I got, I took this class, like AV class, which we were just messing with before the show here, microphones. And, but uh, it was the word, I just hated it. I thought it would be fun and cool, but we just, I don't know if it was the teacher, but I got out of it and just in a fluke, got into this graphic and commercial art class. And I was like, wow, you can make money doing art, you know, or at least some money, <laughs> you know? So I was like, I never turned back. I was, I just always thought I loved art. I, I would like be playing with my cousins when I was a kid. And, and my dad had this friend over who was sitting there drawing like this beautiful of my dad with these cool sunglasses on and all the reflections and the hair. And I, we all would stop and we would look and like, oh, wow, what are you drawing there? And he'd be talking about it, you know? 
probably smoked something. I don't know, you know, knowing my dad back then. But he uh, he would be telling us about it, and then all my other kids or friends, cousins would be like, Oh, that's cool. And then they go running off, drooling all over whatever, you know. And I'd stand there and just be asking them question after question. I, I and I remember that thinking, why did they take off? You know, isn't this the most fascinating thing? So, and then the gratification I would get from when I would draw something. I remember my mom took me to a night school class and one of them was art school. She had us when she was young. And so she was finishing to get night school and she, uh, I was old enough to draw and they would, we would all draw the adults and like one of mine would be as good as any of these, like to me at that time, these adults, uh, they were young adults and uh, the gratification I would get, you know, from that. So I just was always wanted to do it. And uh, then eventually went to college to become graphic and commercial artist. got into comic books as a geek, just because my older brother mainly was into them. And then I was into art. So it was a kind of a, you know, a perfect mesh. So I went seven years uh, to a community college to get a two year degree. <laughs> I took went part time and I took extra classes I didn't need just because I wanted to do more airbrushing or I had to take computer classes that weren't going toward my degree. So eventually just kept building my portfolio, tried to do some comic book stuff when I was in college and never came and never went anywhere. And then um, I might be going too far here, but and then years I got married, had kids and then uh, just didn't really do anything with comics. And then eventually I was like, you know what? The story won't let me go. I got to I got to do it. I started getting into comics for real. I can get into some of that later, but. But in general, I you know grew up in uh, uh, East Detroit. Uh, my grand my grandfather was a Detroit firefighter for 26 years, lieutenant. Um, and then I we can get into later too how I uh, why I started with that sci-fi book, but we could get into why I did a firefighter book later. Well, uh, talk about the sci-fi book real quick. I, I do want to start with that. Um, is this have you always had a passion for sci-fi? in general or is this just a story that well i want to kind of basically start from the beginning the process is this hey i got an idea for a story and let me write it down and eventually or is it hey i have an idea for a character and let me create a story around the character well yes this this one started with a character that if you open the cover up i got one here too but if you open the blue page go to the just open the first one I, i could show it on my screen as well this one you can get it in stereo. No, the first right inside inside cover. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, that 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 the one on uh, the the one with the the Earth there. That the yeah with the uh, hand on the Earth. Yeah, that's Azarus. So that drawing, I did a version of that in in college. That was uh, we had to do a comic book cover in college, and I came up with that character based on this character that my brother had a general idea of in this game we used to play like dungeons you know how you play dungeon and dragons you know you got this you know, if you've ever played people who know you know it's a role-playing game but you have characters and you you go through this adventure well this one was like a, a same kind of concept that it was for superheroes called champions and you would have a basic uh character you could develop so you can give it super your character could have certain powers and certain Every power, let's say it had like massive strength, you'd have to have an equal disability or some kind mm-hmm. of a negative problem. So, and you would build these characters up and had a little art thing that you could do like a general design. So we had to do a comic book cover in college. That one we just showed is a newer version of it, but I did a basic idea of that in college and it won like first place in the contest of all that year. And a story started to develop around it. But back then that story, it was called Half-Life. I could show that like later um, when I uh, go through the some files, but it was, you know, this, it was kind of, I'm glad I never, I tried to get it made into the story, but it, it wasn't as mature. You know, it, it could have been good maybe, but it wasn't as mature as, as what this thing turned into be. So I was I had this general idea of this It's called half-life in the, the character and all that. And then I put it aside because it never went anywhere, got married, had kids. But then I revisited it and did that version, this real detail. The other one was a little like a little simpler, a little more uh, retro style. And I did this real detailed version. And then it turned into this like serious epic. I started building from this character 
this whole concept of the universe in the future and then thinking of like what things might be like as technology advances like one of the concepts in my story was uh it's not it's like in the story but it's not like the plot but is like we don't sleep in the future like we do now we they have machines you can connect up to and you can regenerate your blood through it and you're supposed to sleep some and but you you can circumvent it you know you cut it in half you get four hours of sleep but you be regenerated they you know you start to scientifically discover things like that so it just turned into this whole sci-fi epic of and it's supernatural aspect like what if we my tagline is is what if we entered the supernatural through advanced technology is part of the uh tagline or welcome to the new enlightenment so they enter the supernatural uh dimension or if someone's not you know spiritual maybe they would just call it a dimension and uh that idea with these characters all started from that one character basically and, and then certain like i said ideas of how the future might work so yeah that's pretty cool and when you're talking about uh living on four hours of sleep welcome to the life of a firefighter <laughs> i i think i wrote that because you write what you know right so you write what you know exactly <laughs> um, I, I wish i had that machine I, I have a a part of me that is uh, just motivated by the creative process. Yeah, um, I've been listening to you, and you're you're an artist yourself, and you're fascinated with the process. Like when you love a good movie or or something artistic, you don't just want to enjoy the movie; you want to understand why they did what they did and how and who did what and came up with it. And that's what, like any good movie, I will watch the making of it and how right. they came to make it. So. I, I pay attention to things that a lot of people don't like. How long was this shot in the movie? Yes. You know, here's one one minute sh uh, shot with several angles because they're moving around a character. Exactly. And, uh, you know, so opening scenes in certain movies that last, you know, four minutes. It's uh, there's certain things. Uh, I was telling somebody this the other day, actually, because. Uh, I'd written several books and and I have my own creative process as well as anybody else that creates stuff like what you do or what I do. And one of the things that I, I kind of found a little bit of encouragement in is movies like Memento or Pulp yeah. Fiction oh, yeah. that are actually filmed out of sequence or edited and, and, like the movie doesn't flow like a typical movie, but somehow it still works. Right. It still has a big fan base. So part of me, if anybody is listening to this and says, hey, I want to get into comic books, I want to get into writing books, whatever it may be. The one thing I want to tell you is don't think you need to fit in a box. You don't. You, you need to you need to have a voice. This is why I'm asking about your like your process. You started with a character. You built this story around it. Um, but you need to have a voice. And you just need to be willing to put it out there. And uh, I'm glad you did. One of the things that you put out was uh, Inferno City Firehouse. and. Um, how did this come to be? Because it's popular in the fire service, and uh, I encourage people to pick it up. Like I said, it's graphic. It's got some uh, some some challenging things to look at and read and hear, unless, of course, you've been in our industry and you see these things in real life. Some of it, like I said, it could be very graphic. But if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the process. How did this come about and uh, where the idea came from? Oh Lord, dog was getting in the garbage. <laughs> Take care. Of That's the dog. okay. You know, I, I extended my sentence about thirty seconds longer for people that aren't watching because I saw you get up to do something. I'm like, all right, I got to draw this out a little bit longer. Like a few people so are watching. We're, 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 the we're dancing right now. Is what ride. we're doing. Yeah, I put my finger up. But anyways, yeah, I uh, took care of the dog. So, um, yeah, the it was uh, okay. So it started, and I think later we'll I'll show some visuals if someone is watching. But it started. Obviously, my grandfather being a firefighter, I, I didn't know him that well because he died when I was kind of young. But, um, you know, obviously with my aunts and uncles, that was an influence. But ultimately, it started when I was in college. I did work on some comic books. So um, I, when I was in college, I started doing a couple covers for some comics where I did uh, airbrushing for them. It was my first actual published comic books for a small independent company called Hall of Heroes. And I lived with a firefighter. So back in that day, you had to have a Detroit residency to be a Detroit firefighter. So uh, firefighter Harry, who I knew, he was uh, looking for someone to kind of share this house. And so I stayed there. And uh, he he saw 
me working on these comics and the uh, International Firefighter Convention that goes from city to city, like the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. was coming to Cobo Hall that that uh, year. And Mike Nevin and Harry Harry Nan, who uh, I I lived with and uh, uh, rented from, they saw what we're doing and they wanted to do some really like kick butt uh, uh, poster and shirts you know, Detroit firefighters. So uh, I think Mike Nevin had this idea of the the GM building now, the Renaissance Center, the Renaissance Center, with a dragon wrapped around it and a firefighter taking them on with a water hose and and it says Detroit, you know, firefighters. And so they saw the comics we were working on. And so they hired us uh, to do uh, the one guy. I did a couple covers for him. So he just drew this for me. And then I did the coloring. We did these posters. They did the posters and the shirts and all that. And then uh, fast forward all the way from my first beginnings and doing those comics. And then this poster for Detroit firefighter, I'm doing a book signing in a, in a comic book store and I have my sci-fi book and then posters of art that I did. A big firefighter comes in fan, you know, geek, and he's checking out my books. Nicest guy. And uh, Jim, let me try to pronounce his last name because uh, he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, Jim's uh, Jim Sulakowski, I think is how you pronounce I see how that could be difficult to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm awful with names. Actually, I don't even have my glasses on. But Jim Sulakowski, which his whole family are firefighters, like him, his brother, and like I think it was his uncle. And, uh, and this guy is buying my sci-fi book and he sees this poster I did for the Detroit fire department. And he just is like, he's like the biggest guy, but he's just like really like even tempered type guy. And just like easy going. I I'm not sure he's always that way. If you get him riled up, but he's just like, a, he's like a huge teddy bear. Right. So he's just the coolest guy. And he's like, you should do a book about firefighters. He's like frustrated as his, as his, you know, uh, graphic novel and comic book geek. Nobody does books on firefighters. And I'm just thinking in my head, man, I'm working. I'm in the middle of working on season one of the sci-fi book. And I'm like, I have no time. You know how it is doing a book. So it's like, but it intrigued me. He was like, no one does firefighter books. And I thought about it. And I thought about my whole life reading comic books and, and buying them and just being around them. And I maybe I saw something where Spider-Man and, you know, you know, like for a kid's type thing where you see something, they get a cat out of a tree or uh, but I don't really see anything. So I did some searches and I found online um, one graphic novel called Ashes, which was beautifully done. It had a little more cartoony style. And mm-hmm. then I saw something Joe Casada did, who's one of the, the main guys at Marvel during 9-11. And that was about it. There's probably yeah. two other things here and there. And I felt called to do it. I felt like this is a, a neglected genre in uh, graphic novels. So I set out to uh, I set out to do it, you know, I mean, because he pointed that out to me. And then I actually used uh, uh, Jim's uh, face as he was the father of one of the uh, characters in the book. And he's been a big supporter of uh, the work. So, yeah, I noticed you, you did that. You uh, <clears throat> you have supporters whose likeliness uh, you have used as some of the characters. I noticed that in the back of the book. That's that's kind of yeah. cool. So now these are true stories. Did you sit down with? The firefighters and say tell me your story i have a um one book that i'd written called common valor and common valor's true stories uh from new jersey firefighters and i sat down with 20 firefighters i had them tell me their story i recorded it i came back and i tried to kind of craft uh these stories the way that i heard them and saw them visually did you do a similar process uh, yeah, well, exactly. So what's funny is uh, I haven't talked to Mike Nevin in years and I hadn't seen uh, Harry in years, but I was like, you know what? I got to I got to do this. And I thought I got to look up Mike Nevin, who I did that poster with. And then it turns out I, I go online and I look him up and he's the president of the Detroit Firefighters Association, the union mm. <laughs> at, at the time I call him and I, I call and I think, you know, I'm at work I'm on break and I'm like, I'm just going to call him and he answers. I thought he was just going to not be able to get a hold of him. And I go, you never believe who this is. And he's like, ah. and I told him, you know, the thing. And then I told him the idea. I want to do this uh, true stories of uh, actual Detroit firefighters. My grandfather was one. So he hooked me up with a um, firehouse 
in in Detroit uh, that I actually use as the premise for my book. It's uh, what is it? Engine uh, Engine Thirty Three Ladder Thirteen. And I did. I slept there a few times, several times, and I did ride-alongs with them and interviewed them, and I talked to firefighters. And, and actually, I met I met some firefighters at a comic con too. Is how I got connected with that house. And then uh, Mike set me up with doing ride-alongs with them. So actually, some firefighters came were just kind of by a, or by my table, and I started talking to them about it. So I did ride-alongs with them, and and then and. and they, they, uh, you know, were gracious enough to kind of take me, you know, through what they do. And then I used that particular firehouse as reference in the background. And then I interviewed them on the phone or right there. And I took stories from what I interviewed them. I took stories from experiences of doing ride-alongs. And then my grandfather story, one of the gut-wrenching things that my grandfather went through, my aunt told me because... Uh, I never had my grandfather talk to me about firefighting. He, he had gone through the Detroit riots and, and all kinds of like some serious stuff. So it would be nice to get some more stories from him. But the one story my aunt told me, she said she only seen her dad cry twice. He was the old school tough guy. And this thing that we put in the book was hard to just do as a story, let alone for you know him to go through it, as I'm sure you can imagine the stories you hear. And so uh, this broke him up. You know, my aunt said, like, yeah, I only see my dad cry twice, once when his wife was sick. My grandmother lived to be 97. So that, you know, she turned out, you know, fine, whatever she was going through. But this thing in the book. So I took that from my grandfather and then even my childhood playing in Detroit as kids and something happened. I don't like to spoil things in the book, but, you know, something tragic happened and I was I was right there watching it. Um, So and so I took all these aspects. I had so many stories and I tried to just go, okay, how, what are the ones I need to tell that have the most um, are worth reading and how do I weave them together into a narrative? Cause I didn't just want to have like this little section, that little section. So I, I start the book out with the true story. All these are true and c- combine them into this narrative that has like ultimately the books about hope. It deals with gut wrenching things but ultimately deals with hope and ends on hope. And that's one of the best stories in the book is, is the true, the way it ends from uh, mm-hmm. one of the Chris, uh, Chris Smith. So uh, firefighter. And you, um, you also donate some of these proceeds, if I'm not mistaken, or you're involved with PTSD and bringing awareness uh, to that. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Mental health. Well, this is the thing I, everybody loves movies and and there's violence and all kinds of stuff in it. But I hate when violence is gratuitous Mm. and this book deals with some harsh stuff. And I don't want to sit down to a movie and be entertained by how people are dying or, you know, I just watched band of brothers. That is not gratuitous. It's harsh. And you're talking about world war two. It's harsh and it's reality. And by the way, just on that, that is probably the best 10 part series I've ever watched in my life. It's, it's, it's band I, I've seen parts of it, but I was like, okay, I, I need to sit down and watch. I just watched all of it straight through. And uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the greatest shows ever made. And and it, it's the weight of it is <laughs> you like that's I got my sci-fi book, but then you got this firefighter book, the, the weight of the fact that there's true stories in there, just like in band of brothers that all has a whole new, whole new level. So, but I don't like when violence is in there for the sake of the entertainment itself. Right. So it should be in there, like in, in the Bible, like there's there, the Bible is completely violent, but the point of it isn't to be entertained by the violence. The point of it is to have a moral of the story. So doing this book, I wanted there, I don't want to entertain people with, Oh, how difficult it is to be a firefighter at times and, and the terrible things you go through. So I want this book to bring a, a light to the mental struggle that firefighters can go through and to do good for that. So I'm dedicated to give 20% of all the you know if, at profits I make toward uh, any kind of mental health facilities or, or different kinds of uh, facilities that help people with PTSD. So I, I dedicate, I've actually, I haven't really made profit yet because the overhead of, of doing a graphic novel and printing it and all that up front, I'm independent uh, publisher and creator, but I've been giving anyways, uh, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's what part of my, uh, what I believe in doing. Mm. And my editor, Tracy Canopa, Canopka is 
I chose her as an editor because I was looking for an editor and I was praying about it. And I'm like, who should I have edit this book? And I, I was kind of looking on her Facebook before I reached, reached out to her. And I saw that she had lost her brother to suicide. And she is very involved with uh, doing like walks, you know, for uh, uh, raising money for uh, suicide type uh, campaigns or mental health. And so I was like, I think that she's got to edit this book because the reason that I dealt with the mental health, it wasn't even like obvious that I, it's now it seems obvious, but I actually should clarify because it, it's, it's like we shouldn't, we, sometimes I think in this modern age, we got so much of a problem of like snowflake mentality and yeah. that's a problem. That's one end. We, we like, we overemphasize like feelings to, to such a degree. There's that fine line of truth. You know, you go too far one way, you're a snowflake. You go too far the other way, you ignore serious mental issues. So, but um, I wanted, uh, I, I only decided to do this dealing with suicide in the book because when I talked to Mike Nevin over all those years, he had told me that the firefighter I had rented the house from had shot himself and wow. it hit me, like punched me in the gut. Wow. And right away, I, that's like the first thing I was like, I started to see pages and I started to see, you know, and I was inspired by it. I didn't do his story, but I did something inspired by the fact that I had been hit by the fact that he, I didn't know that. And then I, when it was told to me, it just hit me like in the gut. So I had to be in the book somewhere. So I don't know of anybody who has not in one way, shape or form uh, been affected of course, negatively by suicide. Yeah. And so, I mean, the fact that you are, you know, doing something to, to help when it comes to this, I think is really valiant. I think it's awesome. And which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on here. I want to try to do what I can do to help spread the word. And, uh, and I mean, just get these novels out there so people can, can read them, take a serious look at the lives of, of, our brothers and and sister firefighters out in Detroit, of course, because it is one big family. That's the thing about the fire service. You know, I mean, I was a firefighter in New Jersey, uh, but I could read a story from firefighters in Detroit, even if I didn't go through anything like what they went through. Um, You're close enough to it that you're like, okay, I could, I could feel that, you know, we've all seen tragic things. I actually had just come back from a department out in Ohio and there was uh, one of those a medevac unit a helicopter that that was uh, basically right outside of their station, which was where the helipad was, where they would go and respond to incidents uh, where they needed transportation by air. And so I met the nurse, I met the pilot, met the doctor, and uh, and you know taught the class while I was out there to firefighters, and they were all in there too. And I had said to them, I said, you know, I think. Three of the most impactful, definitely two. I remember three, but I should say two of the most impactful uh, moments in my career of things that I've seen that I guess part of me wishes I didn't see because um, yeah. I can't get it out of my head happened where we had to call air units in to medevac people out. So when I see that helicopter, I get up close to it, right? I look inside. And I see for the first time how narrow the area is where they get to fit the patient in. Because, again, you have weight constrictions. You have space constrictions. It's a helicopter. So I'm like, you have the pilot. You have the the feet of the of the patient right next to the pilot. So the head goes towards the back and, and the nurse and the doctor are back there. And I'm looking at it. And now I start thinking of after we were able to get patients into there. Man, that's what they went into. Here it is 22 years later, and I start reliving it again. But then it also got me to to ask them, like, what happens if you have to perform CPR? Like, there seems to be no room to do it. Wow. They said, well, that's why we take so much time to prepare the patient before we actually go up in the air. So a lot of times they'll load a patient. And it's quite honestly, maybe it's similar with an ambulance, but they'll load the patient. They have to get the IVs. They have to get everything going and they have to stabilize the patient to the best of their ability before they go. And I think back to, again, maybe 20 years ago, remembering why aren't they going? We got the patient in there. They got to get them in the hospital. 
this is the stuff that you know your average person won't won't see a firefighter reading this is gonna relate to it they're gonna say man i get that i didn't i haven't been through that maybe but i get it i understand it i could feel that what what, uh, you're, you know? what you're saying is what really made me very nervous doing the book was because i'm not a firefighter you know i, I looked into being one i almost became one when i was younger but it didn't happen but i felt really intimidated or, or nervous whatever the word is to be authentic and to really capture the uh, language and the the reality of it. And one, in fact, Erwin Arosa, who does the interior art, is magnificent. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. Don't think anyone who's not watching this. Don't think you're looking at a graphic novel like superhero style art. This is gritty, realistic, dark or uh, lifelike art. And yeah, one of yeah, the and by the way, concepts, yeah, for people that are watching, you know, I'll just show them. Uh, so they can see some of the artwork. And I'm glad you brought up the artist because I want to talk about him as well. You're an artist yourself. Yeah. But Erwin Arosa is worked on my sci-fi book and then this book. But his style, if you see it, you can go online, Infernal City Firehouse, if you're just watching it later. And you can see the obviously the art and covers and stuff. But the interior art is gr- realistic, real life looking. And it has to be that way because uh, it's dealing with that real stuff. But I uh, uh, was worried, like one of his first sketches is like, you you probably ever see these firefighter TV shows and it's ridiculous. I hate it where they got these masks and there's nothing in front of their face. It's all glass so that they can act. I understand the choice that you do to show the face and the facial expressions because you're watching a TV show. But I hate it because it just takes you out of it. It's like, okay, this is not real. And he drew, he drew one, I think, inspired by that, where you can see the whole face. And I, says, I was like, no, 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 no. This has to be, and I have pictures of, you know, Detroit firefighter equipment and all that. Right. I, I, and then what to me, not seeing the face and, and going through the smoke and all that actually is like Darth Vader, man. It's more dramatic. It's more like it's it's actually more real and gritty yeah where you see the the actual helmet and you don't see this glass where the guy's face is coming through it <laughs> so i uh i was really worried to make sure that i captured the uh, authenticity and the language and and you know in detroit they call it stretching when they pull the hose and they gotta you know put a fire out they stretched the other night or trial men is a term for a newbie or for somebody so i I tried to throw terms in there and get all that correct so yeah and some of those terms uh some of those terms are different like we stretch lines same thing we wouldn't call a trial man maybe we call it a probie uh everybody uh a rookie everybody would have a different term but I think we all understand the term. When we read it, we're like, that's not what we call it, but we yeah. get it. Um, firefighters are usually pretty welcoming. Like you said, they they let you do ride-alongs. I'm sure you ate some dinners there and said, wow, oh. they're, they're pretty. Yeah, it's, like, I mean, it's like breaking bread together, yeah. Right, and it's and it's pretty cool. And I know a, I, a lot of people, uh, you know, when I recently was, uh, I had the privilege to sit down uh, at uh, Marcus Luttrell's house with him and his brother Morgan. Marcus Luttrell is is the Navy SEAL that they had made the movie um, Lone Survivor about. Oh, really? And, yeah. And when I sat down with him and and we were speaking, he he said that he used to go and hang out with New York City firefighters before the movie, before the book and all that. He yeah. would go hang out with them and he'd stay there. He'd have dinner with these guys. He'd go out and hang out with some of them. And, and I said to him, so you were doing this before they even knew who you were, like that you were this Navy SEAL that they had this movie and this, this book coming out about. And, and he said, yeah. And I find that to be really awesome. You never know, but firefighters, I think are, uh, you know, we're pretty welcoming group of people. And yeah, um, that, that, that actually leads me to something you might be bringing up, but it's, I think a good segue is um, what's funny is I was doing this book, finished doing the book and I uh, had a uh, local paper do a, a story on it. Um, uh, Metro Times, and they showed some of the art and all that. And, and a guy, a filmmaker in Canada, I won't even try to pronounce his whole name. He's got this long Greek name, but uh, Pan, he told me to call him Pan. And he's directing a documentary about firefighters called Florian's Nights. Yes. He sees this uh, article, he contacts me, and he is filming all kinds of different firefighter clubs across North America. 
to do this uh, documentary about firefighters who ride motorcycles to deal with their PTSD, which is there's yeah. actual science to it. And they kind of get they get into that into this documentary, the science of it. But it deals with firefighters and mental health. And it also deals with it. And he, he contacted me. He flew out his crew. I hooked him up with the same fire crew and Mike Nevin to get footage for the film. And a lot of some of the guys in my book are in the movie Florian's Nights. And he did ride alongs with the same crew I did. And then they filmed me and my book, which is they're going to do as a, 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 a separate short film to promote the main documentary. I'm waiting for that to come out. But uh, the funny thing is when all this was happening and they were in town is when I first got my books back from the printer and he filmed me taking these books into the firehouse and unboxing them and handing them out to the guys. And so it was a nice, like, uh, that's pretty cool. Thank you for welcoming me in and having, you know, eating bread with you and, and playing cards and ping pong and then, you know, going on ride alongs. And then here's the fruit of uh, the labor right, here, and welcomeness. Here's the uh, end result. Uh, that That is pretty cool. And I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary 9-11. Um, the two French filmmakers that were filming. I mean, first of all, what an uh, amazing documentary yeah. Um, yeah. To, to be able to document everything that happened on that day. I think that is such an important historical uh, collection of footage. It's a, and you even mentioned earlier that graphic novel, novel about 9-11. I actually have that in the other room. Uh, I picked up. I never read it. I just picked it up and I put it yeah. in a drawer. I'm like, this is something I, I, I don't oh, need yeah, to read, but I want to have. Yep. You know, but um, but like I said, there, there's another more examples of just letting people into your world and um, and people being able to tell the stories of, of what they saw and experienced there and let some other people experience it, which is really cool. So thank you for for doing what you do. And uh, what are you working on now? Uh, what I'm working on now is, uh, like I said, I'm still waiting for the short film to come out with Florian's Nights, so people can check that out. That's uh, that's the if you watch the trailer on that Florian's Nights, it's uh, the cinematography is magnificent. Of course, it's dealing with some real serious content. Talk about a helivac. One of the guys they deal with lost his fingers in the in the movie. You see him in a trailer because he was out trapped stranded in the like uh way up in the mountains in the snow and they had to hello back him out of there you know uh, he, he was in bad shape but mm. right now what i'm working on is uh, i'm working i'm doing another historical fiction and uh, you know the the firefighters book is is historical because that's true stories but i i weaved them together into a narrative so i guess you can call it like a historical fiction but i'm doing a historical fiction on john the baptist is life and so this John the Baptist is a radical. Um, his life story is if you're not if people aren't familiar with his life, uh, it's as tragic as any, you know, Greek mythology or Shakespearean drama. And uh, the guy was a radical. He had this huge following. He was a prophet after the 430 years of silence. He was the last prophet between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the fascinating character. So, and I have these, I have the, I'm, I'm so inspired with this story. I have this uh, idea where someone's uh, this like admirer of him is coming and visiting him in prison and, and asking him questions just before his, uh, his life ends. So uh, currently working on that with several artists and putting together the story as far as uh, uh how it's interviewed. And then I, I have a twist that's going to be in it. I want to stay true to what we know on the history, but I have this twist to help, you know, to really make it uh, effective, like hit you in the gut when you realize what happened there. So mm. I'm excited about it. Getting yeah. art done for it and stuff like that right now. You, know, you said, you said a key word that I want any artist that's listening to this or anybody who wants to write or create draw. Uh, you said a key word. You said I was inspired by this yeah um how important is that word inspiration for an artist yeah uh everything everything if i i mean personally i think everyone's an artist you know people cut hair that's an art form um you know mothers raising children whatever the thing is there's an art my mom actually one of the other reasons i'm an artist is she was very crafty and we do crafts and you know and uh ceramics and stuff she did all kinds of craft stuff but uh inspiration 
you you have to be inspired to do anything you know even if you're going to cut hair you know five days a week or so but uh, but as far as to tell a story that's a little different that's an art form that's like almost you got to be a little uh pretentious maybe you know hopefully you don't come off pretentious but you have to you have to put your neck out on the line too but you have to be inspired enough because i remember i was like i tell the story but then when i actually did my first book i'm like what did I do? You know, I just put this out there and I could get like, I could be embarrassing myself or, you know, like people could hate it and you start, Oh my gosh. But I believed in it when I was doing it because I felt called to do it. So this, I'm so inspired because there's something about firefighters when I was doing that and about John the Baptist that I believe we can learn from it. And like your book, step up and lead is like, you wanted to do that book to, you know, we, art is meant to be shared. So you want, I want like music, you, you want someone to be affected by it. Whether if it's a blues song, it should make them feel sad. If it's an inspiring song, a love song, and then your book should inspire people to be better and to, to, to be better leaders and examples. And then my book, I, these stories have to have something in it that teaches you something and makes the world a better place, makes you better, that challenges you. So I, I, I'm tapped into that on this story. So that's why I want to do it. You may or may not even, you you may or may not even realize this, but you just actually shared a whole bunch of leadership principles and everything you just said, you know, because first of all, I think that there's two, one of two things is going to cause you to want to get uncomfortable enough to make positive change in your life. And one is inspiration. The other one's desperation, desperate for change. That's a good point. Yeah. But you talked a lot about inspiration. And um, another thing, when you talked about you're an artist and whatever you do, um, Albert Einstein said, everyone's a genius. But if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life believing that it's stupid. So, you know, and I always love that quote because here's a quote that's saying, you know, you don't have to be good at what everybody else is good at. Uh, I want to show you something. This is actually really cool. And and we can end with this. I just have to uh, step away from the screen for one moment. Give me one moment. Yeah, I'll take over the uh, camera work from now. I'll drink my coffee. This is, by the way, and my backdrop here, I, I wanted to give a shout out to um, Taylor's Tins. They they took from my from my book, Flashpoint, they took uh, these principles I talk about in Flashpoint, and they made them into these pretty awesome signs uh, nice. Yeah, that are available. Again, Taylor's Tins, just a friend's business I want to help promote. Um, my son one time uh, comes up to me. Um, this going back a couple years ago, he just turned 12. We're going back maybe three or four years ago, probably four years ago, because I believe it was uh, post, uh, pre-COVID. Comes up to me, he says, Daddy, I wrote a book in oh, school. Yeah. And I said, you did? He goes, yeah. I said, what's, what's the book about? He says, banana and avocado. And so <laughs> he shows me the book and it's all stick figures. Um. And it's this story that doesn't really have a tremendous flow, but it was really cute. Yeah, of course. But then he says to me, he goes, do you think it could be a real book one day? Wow. I said, I do. I, I said, I do. Because everything in life is created twice, first here, and then, you know, in the real world. So what he didn't know, and uh, I talked to my wife about this, but every t- every day he went to school, I started actually drawing up. Uh, things to put this book together banana and avocado these are the main characters yeah right and so i i take this book i just did it through shutterfly you know nothing fancy Uh, i end up making this this book for him a children's book based on his own um uh, idea and his own drawings about this journey that banana and avocado take um and then i give him a bunch of copies of his own book that he gave to his his grandparents, he gave I to can't his teachers. Imagine my mind would have been blown as a kid. Right. And that, but that's the point. And it's what I want people to understand is that um you don't need you don't need other people's permission to tell you whether or not you can make this a reality. You just need to go out and you you talked about this. Again, that's a leadership principle. You need to be willing to maybe look a little silly, to be ridiculed, to be yeah. wrong. But to fail, be, yeah. To fail. Yeah. Leadership is about, believe it or not, it's a lot about being uncomfortable and it's a lot about failure. Because if you're comfortable in your role as a leader, you won't reach your potential. If you're not willing to put your neck out to try something, a proposed idea that may make you be ridiculed, well, then what you're doing is you're just status in the, or, or I'm sorry, managing the status quo. 
and that's not leadership and so um you know we when you were talking about this stuff i'm like i don't even know if you realize all the stuff you're saying can help a lot of people so take chances is the point how can people i'm going to change my backdrop right now um to uh your books how can people uh pick up a copy of your books uh well if they uh do a search on it they could type in inferno city firehouse in google or go to infernocityfirehouse.com uh, i'm on social media as well i have an inferno city firehouse uh facebook instagram and twitter i also have my main website which is simple to remember is uh because i'm doing a you know i have three different genre books now but uh i my main website is brian e arts brian with an i e is an easy arts so if you wanted to see everything i'm working on from the movie i worked on i have original music for my books i have my books my sci-fi firefighter and now john the baptist i'm working on so brian with an i e as an easy arts is my main website and i also have social media for that it's on amazon inferno city firehouse you can order it from my uh my uh one of my websites i have digital and physical copies i have prints uh posters of like those two covers back there the one on the uh on your right uh, my left is uh done by clayton crane that guy is like a famous artist who uh worked on spider-man all kinds of stuff the other one is a local guy from michigan uh neil anderson who did the uh, variant cover with the cracked glass and the, mm -hmm. all the eyes that's supposed to show the mental kind of struggle that someone can be going through and uh like i have posters of those and uh so yeah, Brian E Arts or Inferno City Firehouse. Uh pretty much social media, website, Amazon. Fantastic. Hey Brian, thank you so much for giving me some time today coming on and talking with us and uh I wish you the best of luck, but I want to encourage people to go to your websites and pick up a copy of your books. Thanks man. Keep up. Yeah, I I'm looking for your sprinkles out right now or sprinkles uh the, the fire dog the original one is out and uh part two paul combs is drawing right now um and maybe this can encourage some listeners too that book was written 20 years before it was actually illustrated and turned into a book That's like nice. my son you know i'd written this little story and it was just written on paper and just eventually i, I kind of typed it up and uh 20 years later it resurfaced and I thought, you know what, this would be a pretty good time to try to put this story out. And and this is something that's kind of cool, is that 20 years go by. If you if anybody has ever read Sprinkles the Fire Dog, they'd realize that a lot of that, you know, the journey that little puppy went through, a lot of the readers, all of us have gone through these types of journey where right. you know you're you're dealing with with a lack of confidence, you're dealing with maybe being undersized and not the right fit for what you're trying to do but yeah. more importantly you're dealing with the corner mutts the corner mutts that sit there and bark and try to keep you on the corner and your critics would be another word for them and uh this little dog had to overcome all of that to achieve success and i think that's all of our stories that it just looks inspired i haven't read it yet but i'm getting copies i'm going to get both copies when the second one comes out i'm a huge paul combs fan but you and then getting to know you so but it, it just looks inspired, man. It, this just looks like something that resonates, you know, that, that leaves a lasting mark. Yeah, well. Um, I can relate to for sure. The story is a good story, but I'm not going to lie and tell you the story makes the book. Paul Combs is a tremendous artist. And I know it is. When, when he drew the original character, as you know, first, that's the, I think the third version of the character. And but when that one came up, I said, this is it. That's it that's a dog yeah. and you know so it wasn't like hey we, he hits it out of the park on the first shot he sends the first one to me I'm like I don't know I, can't, I don't know if I could root for that dog <laughs> the I, one know, I, got, I, I go through that well I'm an artist so when I have my other artists working on it of course I'm writing it but but uh I we go back and forth until you get it right you want to get it right I obviously you want to get it right yeah. I think we're you're probably your own worst critic and yeah I asked a, a, a I, I know I'm that way like as a writer, I'll write something. Too. Yeah. And I'll go back and read it later. And I'll, I may read it and go, wow, I can't believe I wrote that. That's so good. Yeah. Or I may read it and go, what was I thinking? I've Doesn't done that. I, I do both. I go back and forth. The thing is, I, I know I have good ideas, but the problem is execution, right? So 
I know like the twist I have is a great idea for John the Baptist or and there's, I, I don't know, like Infernal City Firehouse. I think I nailed like many scenarios in it, like really nailed it. And I've got that reaction from people who read it and like, oh, wow. But, you know, I can't, I can't criticize it objectively because I wrote it. But at the same time, I think I nailed some things. But, you know, I don't I always wonder, you know, did I really nail it as good as I, you know, I'm criticizing the things and I wonder if how good it is. I have a buddy that's in a restaurant business. I was, I was a very uh, successful uh, restaurant up in North Jersey. And I said to him, when you go out to restaurants, are you critical of the food? Like I would have done it this way. I would have done it that way. I like to ask artists the same question. When you look at other people's comic books, in your case, do you say, I don't know why they did it this way? Or do you just try to find inspiration out of it? I, I'm, a, I'm an art critic, man. I I, I'm a Christian. So the, one of my biggest pet peeves is why I'm doing this. John, another reason I'm doing this John the Baptist book. I hate most Christian art and it's, I hope it's not because I'm just a bad person, even though I'm sure I'm bad to some degree. I, we all struggle, but I want art to be the best. Um, I, and Christian art should be the best. It's, you know, if it's a song or if it's a, a movie or a book, and a lot of times it's a subpar production. And so I, I am a critic of all art and even my own, of course. And maybe that helps me to try to do, I know that my books look great and all that, but, but I try to do the, you know, the writing and everything. And, you know, I would criticize myself the same, but at the same time, I, I do see, I do believe art can be good and bad. So, you know, it's like you try to learn from bad art and good art. So. Awesome. Brian, thank you so yeah. much. I really appreciated this conversation, man. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah. good luck with everything moving forward. And again, um, I encourage people to pick up a copy of your work. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Nice. To have, thanks for having me. 